Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our series, The Cone of Uncertainty. Um, this is week two of a collection of sermons we've, we've been in, and it's also uh, a season of our church that we've dedicated towards putting God first. And we're doing that through 21 days of prayer, which you just experienced, and also 21 days of fasting. So many people in our church right now are, are giving up foods and giving up different things in their life just to get those things out so they can lean into God. And I just, I just want to encourage you, you're almost halfway there, believe it or not. Like, I, I got it night marked down to the hour. Like some, between Monday and Tuesday, you'll be at the 50% mark and... Uh, I just want to encourage you, you're losing weight, you look great, you feel terrible, but you're losing weight, and everything's going to be all right, and I, I pray that God's speaking to your heart, and that you're learning, that you're growing, that you're leaning into God, and I know that maybe the fruit of what we're doing won't be seen in these next 21 days, but over this next year, we're going to see the fruit of what God wants to do in our lives. And today, I want to continue our collection of messages on the cone of uncertainty, if you're just jumping in with this, I uh, kind of explained it last week. It came from a hurricane that happened last year, the idea of just the uncertainty of when things will land. And we, we just don't know sometimes what a year holds. And we roll into a year like 2020, wondering if this is the year, and you name whatever it is that you're wondering, uh, believing for something. And how, how many of you in this room right now have something you've been, you've been believing God for a long time for? Like it's maybe maybe you've been praying for it for just a minute, like for a little while. You've been praying and believing God to do something, and you're wondering if this is the year, or maybe even wondering if it's ever going to happen. And today, I want to preach a message for those that feel overlooked, for those that that feel maybe even ignored. Maybe you're sitting in the room today. And you feel unseen. Maybe you would like your voice to be heard, but you're feeling unheard, forgotten, left behind. And maybe even you're sitting here feeling like you're insignificant. And I, I think sometimes it's easy to feel overlooked by people. But sometimes if you've been praying for something for a long time, you may even feel like you're overlooked by God. That, that God is overlooking you, that he's not hearing your prayers that, that maybe you just feel like you're overlooked. And it's a, it's a big world, and there's lots of things going on, and, and we have the ability to observe and see all of the happenings in the world. And in a big world, it's easy to feel insignificant or, or feel small and, and feel like you don't matter, regardless of those circumstances, because there's always, there's always that potential to feel like, that your life doesn't matter, that your voice doesn't matter, that the decisions you're making have no relevance whatsoever. And those things don't have to define you and those things don't have to be your reality. There, there, is a, there is a God that has the ability to step into your circumstances. And I, I want to preach a message. I don't always give a title, but I want to preach a message today called The End of the Line. The End of the Line. And it, it comes out of a Bible story where God speaks to a prophet named Samuel and says 
that I've, I've chosen the next king of Israel. In the, in the Old Testament, Israel is the centerpiece of the Old Testament. All, all of the Old Testament is written around the historical consequence of the nation of Israel. And God had raised up a man named Saul to be the first king of that nation. And Saul had disobeyed God and God had taken the kingdom away from him but hadn't yet removed him from being a king. And so he told Samuel, I want you to go and anoint. Samuel was the one that was choosing kings at that point on behalf of God. And he said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, a man named Jesse. At that house, there's uh, someone that I've chosen to be the next king. And so Samuel goes to Jesse and they hold a, a worship service or a, a coronation party, some type of gathering to select the next king of Israel. And Samuel says, gather everybody in your house. And you find the story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Bible says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on his height or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How many of you are thankful that God doesn't see the way that we see things? That he's seeing more than what we just see with our eyes. And then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass over before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there's one I, I didn't bring. There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. And he went, he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. Just a little side note, ruddy means he had red hair. He was redheaded, beautiful eyes, handsome. Kind of identify with this Bible verse right here. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. God told Samuel, there's, there's, a, there's a king in Jesse's house. Jesse gathers seven of his sons. God isn't looking at them. And finally, he's like, is there another one? And he tells the prophet, yeah, there's one that's not here. Now, I'm not for sure what David got Jesse for Father's Day that year. But I bet it wasn't like the best gift he ever gave him. You know what I mean? Like there, there is a selection process there's like this little pageant. I don't know what the swimsuit competition was like for this, but they're, they're trying to crown the next king of Israel. And Jesse invites all of his sons except David. That hurts. <laughs> that hurts. David is flipping through the Insta stories. Eliab. Eliab's there. Abinadab's there. Shema is there. Like he's, he's realizing that he wasn't invited to the party, that, that he wasn't included in, in the opportunity to maybe be selected the next king of Israel. And 
Eliab is at the front of the line because he's the oldest and the biggest. And just in the eyes of, of Jesse and Samuel, he looked the most like a king. And God said, don't look on his appearance, on the height of his stature. I don't see things the way that you see them. Very important. God is not looking at our lives the way that we are looking at our lives. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are a little bit higher than our thoughts. He, he sees things differently than we see them. And all seven of Jesse's sons are passed by as potential candidates, and none of them are what God is looking for. All seven of them are promoted by their dad, but none of them were accepted by God. They were promoted by people, but not accepted by God. And just because people don't invite you to the party doesn't mean God can't include you. Just because somebody doesn't include you or just because you, you feel left out, it doesn't mean that you can't be included by God because opportunity isn't in the hand of man. Opportunity is in the plans of God. And people don't hold your future. God is the one that holds your future. He's the one that's got the future of your life in his hands. And David wasn't seen at the coronation party. He, he didn't even get to make an appearance. He wasn't even allowed to be visible there. And Eliab is, is put up like he's big, he's strong. Let's choose Eliab. And his brothers are promoted. They're all, they're all getting visibility. They're, they're all getting retweets on social media. They're all getting the visibility. But God saw David while he was still out in the shepherd's field, even when he wasn't seen at the crowning of the next king. And you may feel overlooked and you may feel insignificant and you may feel passed over and you may feel unseen and you may even feel like you're unheard, but wherever you are, God sees right where you are. He knows where you are. He knows exactly where you're at. And listen to me. You may be overlooked by people, but you are not overlooked by God. He knows your address. He knows your name. He knows your social security number. He knows your driver's license number. You don't even know that. God knows where you are. He sees exactly where you are right now. He knows exactly where you are. You're not, you're not forgotten by God. God doesn't see things the way that we see them. And in, in fairness to Jesse, he just thought God probably was interested in one of the older boys. It, it doesn't mean that you know, he didn't love David as much as the other, the other sons. It might have meant that. I don't know what kind of tension they had in their family, but it doesn't mean that he didn't love David. It's just he was looking at, he was looking at their physical size. He was looking at their age, their life experience, David was still in his youth, and he was doing something that it's easy to pass over. He was keeping the sheep. That was a very menial role. David was very young at this point, think early teens. And so what would you, you know, you wouldn't really task a, a 14, 15-year-old kid with something really important, or you shouldn't. Um, and so it was a menial task that he was performing. He was, his age he was young. He was doing a, a menial role. Tending the sheep was basically a chore that you would, send, you would send a child to do. And so when Jesse saw that, he didn't see that role as being the, the preparation ground, uh, the, the place that would qualify someone to go from the sheep's fold 
to wearing the king's crown. Like that's, that's, not, that's not where Jesse was looking at. Like, you know, if you're thinking about choosing the, the next king, maybe you would choose somebody that's in a higher leadership role, not somebody who's performing a chore. And I, I think this is really, really important. Jesse was looking at all the roles that his sons were serving in, thinking, would this role be the place that the next king would come from? But God wasn't looking at the role that each son was serving in. God was looking at the heart of each son serving in the role. He wasn't looking at just the status in life and whether or not they were in an in, in, in a elevated position or in something that seemed important because there are no small parts to play in the story that God is telling. There, there, are, no, there are no small roles in, in the story and in the kingdom of God. There, there's no small parts to play. And, and you got to be careful because we'll do what Jesse did and we'll measure our lives based on the status that we have right now. And sometimes that, that measurement comes from different things. Sometimes it comes from siblings who are just overachievers and you wish they would just quit making success happen and quit having achievements. Anybody got any overachieving siblings? It's like, just stop it. My brother pastors a megachurch. Way to go. You're awesome. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll measure where you are based on somebody close to you, like a brother or a sister. Or you'll measure, you'll measure your life based on your parents' expectations of what they wanted for you. That, that you should be in, in this career, or that you should be tracking with this place. Or, or sometimes it's even just self-imposed goals and objectives. Like I thought I would be here by now, thought I would be at this place in life by 30, or I would be here by 40, or I would be at this place by 50, or I'd have, I'd have some of this figured out by 60. Surely at 60, I'll have this figured out. And it's just measuring ourselves based on the place where we are and the role that we're in, the status that we have. But I just want to tell you, there are no small roles in the kingdom of God because we serve a very big God. And the size of your calling isn't determined on the size of your circumstances. The size of your calling is determined on the size of your God. And there are no insignificant roles. And there are no insignificant places in life. And there are no insignificant people because we serve an incredible God. And he knows where you are. And he knows what you're doing. And he knows your address. And it doesn't matter if you think you're measuring up. I just want to tell you, if you're faithful in the field, you've got a God that knows exactly where you are. And what's going to become of your life isn't determined by where you are right now. It's determined by the size of the God that you serve. And the God, the God that has the sheepfold is also the God that holds the king's crown. And a lot of times we, we measure our lives thinking, man, I'm in a small place. This is far from where I wanted my life to be. Or I'm not measuring up to the expectations that I have for myself or someone else has for myself. And it's going to take forever. And I'm a long way away from it. Well, the God that owns the sheepfold is also the God that owns the king's crown. And it's not a long way from the sheep's fold to wearing the king's crown. Because it's God that owns your future. And it's not you climbing the ladder. He's the one that has the ability to bring promotion into your life. He's the one that has the ability to do it. God holds it all. So we don't measure our lives based on the expectation of people. 
We measure our lives based on faithfulness to the God that we serve. That's, that's the measurement for our lives. Not what someone else is doing on how faithful we are with where God has us. And the good news and the bad news is that God isn't measuring your life based on your stature or your status. It's good news and bad news. He's not measuring your life on your stature, how you look physically. He's not measuring it on your status, kind of what you've acquired in life and where you are. God is measuring your life based on one thing. He's measured on your heart. How many of you know that's good news and bad news? Does anybody in the room just want God to measure you on your status? <laughs> like, don't go digging around in here too much. I got a promotion last week on the job. Let's just stick with that. God's looking at the heart. And our, our potential, if that's true, then our potential isn't in the position we serve in. Our potential is in the person we are. Yeah. <laughs> it's not where you currently are in your life. It's in who you are. And God shapes us into who we're supposed to be before he reveals what it is he wants us to do. He, he shapes us. And the Bible says that God saw David's heart. In fact, it cho- he chose David because David was a man after God's own heart. And that wasn't developed after he became a king. That was developed when no one knew who he was and he was just a shepherd out in the shepherd's field. A lot of times we think, when I get there, I'll become something. No, you're becoming something so you can get there. And I I don't know how your year will go. 2020, I I don't know what it is that that God's going to do in your life, but I do know this. I know that we shouldn't wait for a calendar to turn to believe that our life is going to be significant, that wherever you are right now, God sees you and he knows where you are. That means this moment is significant because God isn't waiting to shape you into who he wants you to be right now. He's using every circumstance of your life to mold you, to make you, and to get you ready for what God has for your life. He's shaping you right now. The Bible says that David developed two things. I want to give you two things that were in his heart. One was David developed a heart for the presence of God. It, it, was, it was amazing because David was a unique individual. He was, um, he was both an artist and a warrior. He could pick up a harp and, and pour out his heart and his emotions and music and song. And he could also pick up a sword and just kill a bunch of people. Like he could do both of those things. He could, he could rock a scarf and carry a shield. You know what I mean? Like just, a, just an unusual combination of, of a person. He, he was a sensitive worshiper, like, you know, tears flowing, worshiping God. Then he could just get up and just handle his business with a sword and, and fight valiantly, an incredible mix. But the heart of David that God chose wasn't after he became a king. The heart that was developed was developed when no one was around, when no one saw him, when there were only sheep to entertain, and yet he learned how to play a heart, and he learned how to form words, and he learned how to create worship moments to God, and he learned that the power of God is in the presence of God, and when I can play the harp in front of sheep, God can set me in front of leadership, in front of people, because God is looking for somebody that has a heart for his presence. 
David was, was a passionate man. It got him in trouble. Got him in trouble with a woman named Bathsheba. Got him in trouble with his son Absalom. Absalom was rebellious. And David loved him so much that he never saw his rebellion. Even, even when Absalom was killed by David's men in a battle, after Absalom tried to overthrow him, David wept for Absalom. And one day, Absalom would rise and try to take his father's throne. And Absalom had, had turned some of the army against David, and he was coming to Jerusalem. And David didn't want to have a battle with his son Absalom in Jerusalem, so he abdicated his throne. He left, he left his palace and was going back out into the wilderness, the place that he had spent years running from Saul. And now he's in his place. And He's in his kingship, and now he's missed his son, how, how rotten and rebellious he is, and now he's going back out into the wilderness. And here would have been the temptation as, they, as, that, as they're leaving. David's life was marked by the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted the Ark of the Covenant, the sign and the symbol of the presence of God. He wanted it in Jerusalem. He, he, he was the one that, that worked to bring it there. And as he's leaving Jerusalem, Fleeing from Absalom. The Bible says this in 2 Samuel chapter 15. It says, Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he says, I have no pleasure in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me what seems good to him. Let, let, me, let me just explain this to you. David was fleeing from what he missed. He, he had missed Absalom, and he's running into the wilderness, and the priests are like, let's take the presence of God with us, and let's make the presence of God follow us into the wilderness. And David said, no, 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 no. The presence of God doesn't follow me. I follow the presence of God. Let's leave the presence of God here, because he had already worked out in his heart that the goodness that he was longing for was the goodness that was found in the presence of God. And sometimes we need to realize this, that there is a difference between chasing dreams and pursuing the presence of God. God. God isn't in every dream that we have, and he's not in every earthly measurement that we want to achieve, and he's not in every blessing and success that we want to have in this life just because this life has said it's blessing and success. And David had already worked out in his heart before he became famous and before he became successful that I'm not interested in blessing. I'm interested in the blessing of God, and I'm not interested in goodness for goodness sake. I'm interested in the goodness of a good God, and I'm not looking for success and success significance for me. I'm looking to make an impact for the kingdom of God and do something great for God. And I'm not expecting God to be a genie in a bottle that follows me around in my life and blesses every decision I make and blesses everything I think. No, 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 no. My pursuit is to come back to the place because it's the blessing of God and the presence of God that releases the favor of God in my life. You got to work out in your heart that there is there is nothing like the presence of God. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not chasing blessing for the sake of blessing. Come on, somebody. We're chasing the blessings of a good God. That it comes from the presence of God. The second thing that David worked out was he worked out, while he was a shepherd, before he became a king, he worked out faith in his life. The ability to believe. To find confidence in who he was. And in what God had called him to do. And David... What elevated him to status in Israel from being 
a shepherd in his father's house to being a national leader was the day that he defeated a, a, a giant known as Goliath. Even people who don't go to church know the story of David and Goliath. And when Saul questioned him, why do you want to go and fight this giant? David said, I got confidence. I can take the giant. And the reason why I got confidence isn't because God called me to be a king. Watch this. It's not because I got a great call in my life. It's not because I got a bright future. He said, the reason why I can take this giant is because while I was being faithful in the field of my father... And I was watching over sheep that evidently nobody really cared about because they put a little 14 or 15-year-old boy watching the sheep. Because, because when that happened, and, and the sheep weren't really valued, but there was a lion that came and tried to take one of the sheep. And I rose up. And even though it wouldn't have mattered if a lion would have taken one of the sheep, I rose up when nobody was there to watch it and I killed the lion. And then a bear, a freaking bear came and tried to take one of the sheep. And I rose up and I killed the bear when nobody saw me and nobody knew my name and everybody overlooked me and my voice was unheard and nobody knew who I was. I was still fighting some battles and I was still winning in the name of the Lord. So if you ask me, can I take this giant? I I can take this giant because I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear and this giant's going to fall in the name of the Lord. Some of us need to quit waiting for God to elevate us and promote us to become a giant slayer. I want to tell you right now, you need to get up and just start killing insecurity. You need to get up and start killing toxic thinking. You need to get up and start slaying every doubt and every negative voice and every word of condemnation that rises in your head. You need to get up and start slaying self-sabotage that every time you start moving forward in God, you start talking yourself out of it. You need to get up and just kill addiction in your life. Some of us just need to get up and slay Monday morning and realize God sees me where I am and he knows my name. And this battle is not just for today, that God is growing me on the inside before he elevates me on the outside and I'm getting bigger and I'm getting stronger right where I am. God used the lion. God used the bear. And then God used David to kill Goliath. God grows you on the inside before he elevates you on the outside. Watch this. David was serving in a small role, but he wasn't a small person. <laughs> the role that you're in shouldn't determine the person that you are. Now, I don't know what your status is, but don't wait to get married to think you're going to become something. Go ahead and be something while you're single. Don't wait till you get the promotion on the job to think you're going to rise to some level of life. No, no, no. Go ahead and start living what God's called you to live right now. Because sometimes we don't need our circumstances to change. God's not measuring us by our circumstances. God's measuring us by who we are on the inside. So let's just make the commitment. I'm not waiting for God to promote me in 2020. I'm promoting myself on the inside by growing in my faith and confidence and just fighting the battles of my life and believing that God's going to use me to do great and mighty things. Maybe it's while you're in one place that God is preparing you for another. David, David was a, in a small role, a menial role, but he wasn't a menial person. 
I think one of the most significant shifts that you can make is you wonder when things will happen in your life is just the decision that I'm not going to wait to be who God's called me to be. I'm going to go ahead and be it right now. He grew in his faith. He became confident in who he was and who God called him to be. All of that happened while he was young, while he was the youngest of his brothers, and while he was being passed over. David was the youngest of his brothers, which meant when it came to select the king, he was at the end of the line. But here's, here's what I would love to submit to this fine congregation of people who are gathered in this room today, is I would like to submit to you that the end of the line is not a bad place to be. That, that it's not a bad place to be. Because God, God, uses, God uses everyone. But he loves to specialize in people that are at the end of the line. God uses, God uses absolutely anybody who will make themselves available to him. But he loves to specialize in people that the world overlooked, that were forgotten by others. God loves to just take people like that and include them in the story that he's telling. And Jesus in Matthew 20 actually told a parable that reinforces this principle. A parable, if you're not familiar with it, is just a story that Jesus would make up so that he could teach us about how God works. And so he makes up this story to teach us something, and he says this. He says, the story is that there was a landowner who owned land, who needed some work done on his land, and so he went out to hire day laborers. There, there was a custom of the day. If you had land, you could go to a certain place, and there would be all of these people waiting to get work for the day. And so the landowner went and found some and said, hey, 9 a.m., come and work for me for the day, and I'll pay you a day's wage. And so they came and worked for him. But then the landowner went back at noon and needed more workers. And he went back and he, he changed it just a little bit. He didn't say he'd pay him a day's wage. He said, at the end, I'll pay you what's right. And so they worked at noon. Then he went back again at three o'clock in the story and hired more people. And then he went back at 5 p.m. and hired more people. And then at the end of the day, 6 p.m., it's time to pay everybody. And he pays them backwards. He pays the 5 p.m. people first. And they're all watching everybody get handed their money. And they notice something, that the people that worked for one measly hour, the underachievers, the slackers, got paid a full day's wage. People that came at 3 p.m. got paid a full day's wage. People that came at, 9 at noon got a full day's wage. And the people that came at 9 a.m., we're like, we about to get paid. If they only work that much and we've been here the whole day, we're about to get paid. And the Bible says that he paid them what he agreed to pay them was a day's wage. And they were upset by it. How many of you would be ticked off? Honestly, you worked the whole day and somebody came in an hour and got the same pay that you got. And they were upset. And Jesus said this in Matthew 20, 16. He said, so the last will be first and the first last. In other words, the end of the line isn't a bad place to be. Yeah. 
Because Jesus is telling this parable so that we'll understand that God doesn't measure time the way that we measure time. And he teaches us this in our minds. God isn't looking the way that we look at things because in our minds, we think we, we, we receive wages based on the work that we've done. And Jesus tells this parable to tell us we don't receive wages based on work we've done. We receive reward according to the grace that God wants to give to our lives. It's not about working. And he's trying to break off of them this worldly idea that if I work, then I will earn. And he's teaching them that's not how the kingdom of God works. It's not work and earn. He's teaching them it's believe and you can receive. If you can just believe, then you can receive. And he's teaching them that your worth isn't based on your performance. Your worth is based on your availability. And he's not paying you for what you did. He's paying you because you said yes in the beginning to the invitation to come and work in his field. And he just taught them this. He said, I'm the God of 5 p.m. And if you didn't get invited at 9 a.m. and you didn't get invited at noon and you didn't get invited at 3 p.m. It's okay because I can do at 5 p.m. what you thought I would do at 9 a.m. And if it didn't happen on your time, that's okay. I've still got an invitation for you and there's still the same fullness of blessing for you at 5 p.m. that there was at 9 a.m. when you thought you didn't get invited and the worker came and said, you can be a part of this and you didn't get included and you got passed over and you felt like you were at the end of the line, I just want to tell you, the end of the line is not a bad place to be because he can still do at 5 p.m. what he promised to do at 9 a.m. and it doesn't matter what time it happens. God is the God of fullness and you're not you're not receiving based on your effort. You're receiving based on the grace of a good God who's got your life in his hands and there are no insignificant people and you may feel passed over and you may feel like it's too late but I just want to tell you we serve the God of the 5 p.m. and he's able to do more in the end than he did in the beginning and God knows exactly where you are if he can find Joseph in a prison and promote him to prime minister I'm pretty sure he knows your address if he can find Moses on the backside of the wilderness after 40 years and raise him up I'm pretty sure God knows where you are if he can find Gideon in the wine press, I'm pretty sure he knows exactly where you are. If he can find Saul on the road to Damascus and turn him into an apostle, I'm pretty sure God knows where you are. If he can find David in the sheepfold and raise him up to the king's palace, it doesn't matter if you're at the end of the line. God is in control of your future. People don't control your opportunities. They're in the plans of God. Give God some praise in the room. Come on, give him some praise in the room. There's somebody in this room, you feel like it's 5 p.m. I want to tell you it's all right. There's still a fullness of his grace. There's still a fullness of his blessing. You may have been left out and you may not have been included and people may not have appreciated you, but God knows where you are and he's not going to reward you based on how long. He just rewards based on availability. And if you can just keep a yes to God, there's still a grace for your life. We live in a 9 a.m. world. 
but we serve a 5 p.m. God. He has a way of not doing things on our timetable. But even though it doesn't happen on our timetable, in our schedule, He still has a way of, by His grace, bringing fullness and completeness to our lives. I'm out of breath, so I'm going to quit. Somebody's like, why does he yell so much? I don't know. I've been trying to stop for a lot of years and and just get fired up. But I want to lead us in a prayer moment. One, I I, want to believe with those that maybe you're thinking, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, it's never going to happen. Listen, let's just hold in our hearts that he's the the 5 p.m. kind of guy. may not happen at 9 a.m., but if it happens at 5 p.m., it doesn't mean we missed out on anything. I just want to encourage somebody who's believing for something. Don't lose your yes to God. He's not rewarding you on your performance. He's blessing you on your yes. And I want to to pray for those that maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus. One of the things I love about this parable that Jesus told is that the landowner was always hiring I mean, no, there's no business that's always hiring. He was hiring at 9 a.m. He was hiring at noon. He was hiring at 3 p.m. He was hiring at 5 p.m., which just lets me know there's always a place for you in the kingdom of God. There's always a place for you in the house of God. That God's got a place for you. And it doesn't matter what season of life it is. It doesn't matter what year it is. Let me tell you, God's always given the invitation to come and serve in His field, to be a part of His kingdom. And today, no doubt, the presence of God is in this place. Breathing life, giving invitations for those. Maybe maybe you've never made a decision just to say yes to Jesus. And this, this is your moment. This is your moment to give God your best yes. And the enemy will tell you it's too late you've done too much but here's the incredible thing maybe somebody got in at 9 a.m. maybe you're jumping in a little late at 5 p.m. the rewards still the same it's eternal life in Jesus Christ and God doesn't measure all that stuff doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter how long how old maybe somebody's jumping in 9 a.m. in their life today early come on that's awesome The reward is serving with the Father in His field. Maybe somebody might be jumping in at 5 p.m. God's grace is going to meet us the same right here, right now. And I want to pray a simple prayer if you've never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe somebody needs to get a fresh yes in your life. Come back to God. Come back to a relationship with Jesus. This moment is for you. This prayer is for you. I'm going to lead the prayer. I'm going to say the words just so I can help you. I want you to take my words and pray them out of your heart as your yes to God. Our whole church family is going to join in this prayer because we're standing with you as you take the step across the line of faith to give Jesus your yes in this room. Come on, all across the room, just pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin. Make me a new person. Today I follow you. 
I will walk in your path. I will follow your ways. I receive you now as my leader and my Lord, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hey, yeah, come on, give Jesus some praise. Thank you for being with us on the podcast today. And a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's Word into people's hearts and lives. If you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's Word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the Word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's Word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.